Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. I'm your host, Justin Poulin. Joining me, as always, John Duke. And boy, John, we go from sour grapes to now we don't even have a loss to discuss. And thank goodness, really, right? Because they had chalked up some losses to some of the dregs of the Eastern Conference, the New York Knicks notwithstanding. They get a rematch against them. Chicago gets Laurie Markinen back, but obviously and, – and they had a spirited win the night before against Oklahoma City, but uh, back down to earth for the Chicago Bulls and obviously a coaching change. And I do have to really quickly shout out, though, does Mike Gorman ever miss an opportunity – to give the great old state of Maine some props. I mean, seriously. So, um, you know, we've got, we've got Steve Clifford, who we love to talk about all the time, obviously coached at University of Maine at Farmington. Every time we play, uh, a Rick Carlisle coach team, and I say that because the reference to the University of Maine goes back to his Indiana days as a coach on the broadcast. So obviously he played about, uh, three years before Chicago's own, um, oh my goodness, Jim Balin, right? Did I nail that or did I mess that up? You messed up, but Boylan. 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 Yeah. yeah. Right. I was like, so right. here's, he knows people from Maine better than I do, but so, uh, Carlisle and Boylan both play, cause there's the other Jim Boylan, right? Just spelled right. differently, which it just always throws me. But anyway, so, um, both of them playing for the University of Maine. Jim Boylan was a captain, uh, his couple of years. And so just, just a few years apart. They didn't overlap at all. And obviously Carlisle transferred to Virginia. So, uh, he only spent his first two seasons with Maine. He spent, spent the final two in Virginia, but, uh, but still, does Mike Gorman ever miss an opportunity? I don't think so. No. And I, you know, when we had him on, I remember talking to him about that because he'd always bring up, he always brings up, you know, the, the Big East guys and, and the, and the things that he covered back in the day when he did the Big East, uh, broadcast in the eighties for ESPN. And I remember asking him, I'm like, do you have like, do you, I mean, do you still cover it? And he's like, no, he just, you know, I'm just, I absorb it all, you know, and he absolutely, he always does bring up the Mainers, you know, he was, uh, I, I didn't realize that, that Jim Boylan was the co-player of the year, uh, in the precursor of the America East, um, with sharing the title with Reggie Lewis. So that's weird? pretty interesting. What a weird I did not realize that. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, you know, let's just, this is a good time to, to mention that the University of Maine is, is, uh, well, I should say the state of Maine is the only state in the nation to have never sent a college basketball team. And there's only one in division one to the NCAA tournament. That'd be the University of Maine. So we've got all these coaches in the NBA. But we somehow we haven't been able to put it together at the NCAA tournament stage. Oh well, what can you do? Well, I mean, football it's teams not like, well. there's so not nearly that. as many teams hanging out in the great state of Maine <laughs> in terms of colleges that are even in contention for that. Really, that's the issue, obviously. Uh, but you know, it means Vermont's been there, and yes, they have not in the, the all too distant past. Uh, it means who went from New Hampshire then? UNH. Did they climb in? Like I'm they trying must to have been in. They must have been in at some point. It must have been UNH, right? So yeah. if UNH can get in, then Maine, come on. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess, I guess well, maybe. 
And, and interestingly enough, not only so we've got so we talked about Carlisle, we talked about Steve Clifford, uh, now with Jim Boylan, right? We haven't talked about Brett Brown, obviously, who who played right, South Portland, Portland. That's right? right? And here's another interesting one: Kenny Atkinson, who's the coach, obviously, of the uh, Brooklyn Nets. He played at MCI Prep for a year uh, back oh. in '86. So we got five guys. Was that the Sam Cassell time, or was Sam after that? Before. Was he more in the '90s? Yeah, yeah, but, more in the '90s. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying but, to think about when he came out, but still, either way. MCI was pretty tough. You know, they had a lot of good players that came through there. DeMar, uh, yeah, there was a lot of guys that came through there. And, uh, yeah, so we got five guys uh, that have some connection to the state of Maine, which is pretty cool. Uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty happy with that. What I wouldn't be happy is if I was Jim Boylan today after putting in, uh, what was the worst loss in the history of the Chicago Bulls and having that on my resume, having players say they called the players only meeting, the coach saying no, they didn't. There's a lot of he said, she said, well, a lot of he said, he said, I guess. But either way, the Celtics, they rolling, man. They are, uh, feeling good, playing well. They have the best net rating in the league over the last 15 games. Uh, they are absolutely destroying things. Things are looking up, and I am so happy because it's, and it's so all the change in that starting that lineup. All that change in the starting lineup. And, you know, I, I'm going to break it down to this because even on the in, during the Knicks game, there was chemistry on the second unit between Brown and Hayward, who everybody had kind of pointed the finger at and said, these two can't coexist in the starting lineup. And here they are coexisting just fine in the second unit. And I, it really is. There's just too many offensive players, not enough defensive players. And I don't mean that, you know, like with a harsh criticism of either Brown or or uh, Hayward at all. I, I mean it simply because, you know, like even Kyrie's making an enormous effort defensively. But you just don't have anybody with that tenacity of Marcus Smart. And a lot of people had talked about, and I don't want to say just the pundits, just Twitter in general, the conversation on Celtics Weird Twitter was just, that we just don't have anybody to do the, the dirty work. And we have all these players, you know, that are used to being featured in the offense. And, and even last year it was a luxury, but Brown and Tatum both got used to it as well. And so this has made so much sense to me. And even the way Brad is now staggering the substitutions and the lineups to keep that blended. And it seems like everybody once spread out like that is really able to figure out their role. Uh, Brown has obviously been very hot. Um, in his return, uh, that was just an amazing performance the first night back. And then, you know, against Chicago, he still had a very nice outing. Everybody attacking the basket a lot more. Terry Rozier seems to be catching uh, back on fire, which is a really strong thing to see. Some of it has to obviously do with the opponents that they're facing. But at the end of the day, I, I think that what happened is they put those dirt dogs, they put the Marcuses in the starting lineup. They got some real tremendous effort from them. And then it allowed Hayward to get a little bit more of the ball in his hands and to facilitate and Brown to attack. The problem is if Brown keeps playing like this off the bench, I think these guys are going to work their way back into the starting lineup um, eventually. If not the starting lineup, then the closing lineup will, if not a 56-point win or lead, uh, greater than 30 points in the fourth quarter, that'll be the closing lineup. They'll find their way back together and be able to finish out games, even if they need to be separated to get hot to start the game. Hey, here's some bad podcasting radio with, without, uh, you know, really creating controversy. I agree. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think the, I think part of the, I mean, we talked about this way back a month ago, six weeks ago. And the issue that I saw at the time was there's too many variables, too many things that were, were not quite complete pieces. Kyrie fell into place. Okay. I think Tatum was the next piece who kind of found himself. Uh, I think then you had Gordon find himself. Now you're having Jalen do the same thing. And, I, and I'm saying the Marcuses are kind of separate because I think they've been solid since day one. Um, in spite of what Marcus Smart's going through, obviously a great piece by Adam Himmelsbach on, on what Marcus Smart's dealing with. We get Marcus Morris is obviously a new dad, obviously. Uh, we saw the back of the jersey. But now we're, now we've got, I think the final two pieces, the most important two pieces in making this team go from pretty good to really being contenders with the Warriors. And that's having Jalen Brown and having Terry Rozier become who we thought they were. If we're going to crown them, we're going to crown them, you know, just like Denny Grant Green always said. So yeah. it's, that's, I think what we're seeing right now is everyone's, it's kind of like we had to separate the pieces out. The, the core pieces are now being able to be built on top of, and now everyone's kind of find their level. And I think what's going to happen personally is that they're going to stay separate, but at some point with, yeah, the, the, you know, as you said, Brad's doing a nice job mixing and matching. We're going to see that starting group that, that you really wanted to see start the season. That group is going to be playing a lot of minutes together sooner or later. And, Slowly, the Marcuses and Ro- and Rozier are going to be pushed back to the role that we thought they were. But the difference is they're going to have that confidence and they're going to be where they were. And I think the Celtics ultimately are going to look a lot like we thought they were, you know, after January, after February. I, I think the second half of this year is going to be trying to build them exactly as we thought they were going to be. Not, unfortunately, just didn't work in the first month. Too much was change was going on. I feel good about where we're headed now. And, and I, I, I think we just need to make sure people are feeling good in their roles. They have that confidence. And then Brad can go back to, I think, plan A all along. And may, and maybe, but let's table that for one second and reminder to everybody, you can follow Celtics stuff live on Twitter at CSL underscore tweet live, as well as your host. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke and the entire CLNS media network at CLNS media, facebook.com slash CLNS fans and download the CLNS media app for iOS and Android. Simply search for CLNS media in your app marketplace. Finally, the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash CLNS media for high definition, full length locker room interviews and the garden report. So John, I think you're right. I think, I think it is going to slowly transition back, but I don't think there's any rush because one of the things we talked about was getting that early lead, right? And they obviously did against the Bulls, although the Bulls started to climb back in. But I do think that with Hayward and Brown on the bench, that's where they really can get. And and Terry Rozier, obviously, now that he's hot too, I think they can get that lead that if the starting unit doesn't get it, they'll obviously stay close because of the defensive efforts, especially of Marcus Smart. But, you know, Marcus Morris has been on fire from outside. I think Chicago was his first bad game where he wasn't just torching every open shot from from three, but outside that might have been the first game, honestly, where he missed like two or three wide open threes. And and without all that said, even if they only stay even for whatever reason or another, I think that second unit is just it's a second unit 
that resembles our starting unit last year. And with the opponents, with the opposing teams, second units out there, I think they can really distance themselves. And that's what we were hoping for. We were hoping for more and more big leads that could potentially be sustained by the bench unit. And then in the fourth quarter, we could see the likes of Yabu. And we'll talk about injuries after we finish this. But we wanted to see the likes of Ojale and Yabu. We wanted to keep the minutes down for some of these vets, reduce the potential for, yes, our next topic, injuries. So I really like the way that this is. And I think it's a slow transition back to that starting lineup. I, I think they actually work them out in closing minutes first before they reintroduce them as the starting lineup. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they'll actually even go back to being starters. I wonder if they'll stay with this. They'll stay with this structure, um, to start the game, but, but they will, they'll, they will close. And I think it's going to be Warriors-esque, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. You know, the Warriors don't start their, their de- lineup of death. And I think that that's, that I think we're now seeing why that is. But but we still know that when we think of the Warriors, we think of the lineup with Steph and Clay and Draymond and KD and Iguodala. That's the lineup. That's the one that you worry about. And I think putting the Celtics that the Celtics version of that, which is you know Tatum, Brown, uh, Hayward, Kyrie, and Horford, to get that five sum together, um, there. That's what I think they need to work on here from the rest of the way. Trying to make sure that that unit is as solid and as strong as it can possibly be, and I think that's that's the effort. Where they fall and where the uh, the lineups kind of, um, or I should say, the rotations perhaps overlap and allow for that group to succeed. I think that's maybe where things will be tweaked. That they'll be trying to find ways to maximize that, whether it's first, you know, whether it's fourth quarters, whether it's you know. Um, you know, the second quarters where as they're kind of dovetailing one group coming into the other. I think that's what they're going to try to do. I think they're going to try to build it that way as opposed to, okay, we're going to play them all together and then all of them are coming out. It just seems it doesn't well, allow for the at, strength of the team to come through and, and we all guys like Tatum to take over or Brown to take over, Hayward to take over, which has worked so well here over the last few weeks. And we already know that Rozier really isn't a traditional point guard, which is why you had said, Hey, it makes so much more sense to keep him alongside Smurf, but I'm not so sure that that's the case. I think smart in the starting lineup also helps get Kyrie free because he can take those ball handling responsibilities. Originally, it looked like maybe Hayward would be taking that pressure off. But the thing is, is you get such an uptick in defense and you get balance in the rotations, balance in the, in the lineup itself. And, in, and smart can do so many different things for energy to start out the game. So that part really works well. Secondarily, Terry gets that support that maybe He's sort of like, I don't even want to say he's battling with smart because he's not, right? But at the same time, Gordon can kind of share those responsibilities and he's so good on the pick and roll, which works great against opposing team second units because they're just never solid pick and roll defenders. And all of a sudden Hayward is just slicing and dicing them. Some of the passes he had the other night were, were phenomenal. And that also allows him to just slowly build his confidence and get his athleticism back to where it needs to be. And then Brown also benefits because he can really be very aggressive. This whole thing with having Brown get stuck in the corner to shoot open threes, he's been pretty good considering the criticism of him 
when he was coming out in the draft. He's been good from beyond the arc and gotten even better this year, but it doesn't, it just leaves him too far out of the equation. So much better to have him attacking the basket and, and going at the rim. And, and he has that opportunity with that second unit. And again, not so much. I didn't see Hayward and Brown together as much in the Bulls game, but in the Knicks game, you know, Gordon found him on a couple of really nifty passes to make uh, an easy – well, he was basically driving the lane on one play. And on the other one, I think he was coming in from the wing. But either way, it just made it really easy for Brown to score. And, and his athleticism towers above most second units as well. I, a lot of good things there that you just said. Um, credit and uh, pats on the back to you. Um, <laughs> yo ho ho! Um, and a bottle of rum. Anyway, <laughs> a bottle of rum. That's, see, that's the part we didn't record, so you're not gonna get that one at the end of the show. Um, listen, so a couple things. One, there's two things I like about the starting unit. Uh, I like having people in the starting lineup who will a lot take some pressure off Kyrie, take some pressure off Horford. We talked about Baines and what how I feel about Baines being in there. We're again we'll get into the injury stuff. Marcus is doing the same thing for, for Kyrie. Taking that pressure off early in the game, I think that's great. I, I, I appreciate it. The problem is, is I don't think the Celtics can be as good as Celtics can be, and this is going to sound disrespectful. If Horford and Kyrie need their need to have caddies out there with them. You know, you guys take care of the dirty work and then hold off, you know, and I don't think that's certainly where I'm coming from, but I want, you know, you need, you need to have as many players on the court who have as many skills as possible. Smart is a plus, plus, plus defender and a, and a, a really, a really good playmaker, but the Warriors are going to find a way to, to, to make that an issue for you, you know? Um, so I would feel a whole lot better with Brown Tatum, you know, the, the, that five. So I guess what I'm saying is I, I want them to have opportunities to, to take that pressure off. But when rubber meets road, I want to, I want that five, that, that Horford, Hayward, uh, Tatum, Brown, Kyrie unit. I want that group on the floor because I think that's the Celtics best opportunity to beat the Warriors, to beat anybody. And then, and then second to that, um, you know, and, and part of that is Brown. Brown, I think we talked, we talked about it. He is the canary in the coal mine. When things are going well for the Celtics unit and they're moving the ball and the ball's zipping around and, and there's motion, there's movement. He gets open, whether he's in the corner or not. He's going to be the fifth option. No matter what he does, he's the fifth option in that group. But he could be such a dangerous fifth option. I mean, my goodness, just driving closeouts alone, if the ball's zipping around, by the time it's finding the guy in the corner and they're closing out, he's he's past that guy and he's yamming on somebody's head, probably Joel Embiid again. You know, like that's like that's the that's the magic right there. It'd be great to have Marcus Smart in that role, but when he's out there, is the guy gonna close out quite as hard? No, he's not. He's going to ease up a little bit maybe and let Smart take that shot. You can't let Jalen do that. So that's, that's you know, in, in my heart, I'm kind of going back on what I said to start the year. I'm kind of taking your side of it. But I, I, I totally agree with that's that's the power. If Jalen Brown is Jalen Brown, this Celtics team is is up, up, up a level, you know, and, and they can make even Toronto, who's playing this well, look pretty silly. Boy, that was a lot of credit you just threw my way. Thank you, is Janos. Uh, 
All right, everybody. Hey, Spotsy Sports fans, do you want to get killer seats to see your favorite team for the price of a beer or a large pizza? Tired of paying for all the inflated markups from brokers or last-minute convenience charges just so you end up paying courtside prices for those no- nosebleed seats? Go to onein100.co. That's O-N-E-I-N 100.co. Feeling lucky? Try it out now. There's no other place online that's doing raffles to win tickets to events, and it's a totally new way to score tickets to see the Boston Celtics. The cost to potentially win these tickets with 1 in 100 is a small fraction of the actual ticket price. You can get a pair of tickets for less than the cost of a beer, and your first raffle ticket is free after you sign up. The experience of using 1 in 100 is extremely fun and exciting, from picking your lucky number to the feeling of potentially scoring premium tickets. Are you feeling lucky? Try it. 1in100.co. That's O-N-E-I-N 100.co. And Robinhood, an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. This non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. I have friends that have been encouraging me to invest in cryptocurrencies, and now I've finally done it with Robinhood's easy-to-use app. Other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, but Robinhood, listen up, doesn't charge commission fees. You can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Learn how to invest as you build your portfolio and discover new stocks and track favorite companies with a personalized news feed. There's also custom notifications for price, price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving our listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at CelticStuff.RobinHood.com. That's CelticStuff.RobinHood.com. All right, John. So, again, appreciate the pats on the back, but now we're going to go to injuries, which is a little out of hand. It obviously opened the door for a stellar and really just a career night for Daniel Tice. And if you remember before the season started, I picked him as sort of this, you know, sort of underdog, not really comeback player on the Celtics, but you know, the, the dark horse candidate to make a big impact for this team. I can't remember the term we gave it exactly, but, but he was the guy I thought would surprise this season. He certainly did surprise us against the Bulls. He had a fantastic performance. He's hitting threes. He got blocked. You know, a lot of great things that were happening out there, but a lot of that was because of the injuries that have plagued this team. Baines obviously twisted his ankle pretty bad against, I believe it was the next game, uh, or was it early in the Chicago game? It was the no, Knicks game. Knicks. Yeah, yeah, right. So he twisted his ankle really bad in the, in the Knicks game. And then, uh, you know, Yabu goes down and Al Horford's kind of, you know, we know that with Al though. Al just needs a break here and there. He had a big game and then he needs a night off. You know, he's getting older. We somewhat come to expect that. But Yabu was having a pretty good night before he got hurt. And I know how much you love to see that. I do. I know. I was, Tice was amazing. I loved what Tice did. I mean, he's a guy I really appreciate and I like what he does. Uh, and you, you know, you said it yourself that there's going to be times when people are going to sit and, and, there's going to be opportunities because, you know, situations will arise where they're just going to rest guys. And now that the team is kind of finding its balance here, you can, I think you're going to see more of that. You know, I think earlier on, perhaps, you know, Horford wasn't getting those rest nights that he, when he deserved them and needed them. And I think he got over, over exhausted from that. Um, now, you know, so I was glad to see how Yabu played. 
unfortunately, Time Lord was uh, off. A new baby came into his life. Um, so June, Time Lord Jr. Maybe or not? No, we'll find Wait, out. Hold on, a new baby just came into his life. You like you? The way you characterize that, I can only imagine the stork dropping the baby yeah. off at some NBA player's doorstep. You know, <laughs> he did the Time Lord thing. He, you know, the, like the things from Doctor Strange, and like opened up the eye, and then all of a sudden, the Time Lord, a, a stork came in, and you know, here it was. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, he's got plenty of time to raise a kid right now, but I wish we would see him. I wish we'd plenty see of him time. That would have been the best game for him totally. to go out there for totally. sure. Totally. And, and it'll be interesting because I, I, it sounds like he's going to be back for the, for the, uh, Pelicans game tonight. Again, we, when we're recording this, we don't know. Um, so that would be great because it, it, I think they really need him, obviously, because at this point it's Tice and who knows what's going to happen with Horford. I am a little worried about Horford though. Um, the knee, you know, blew up on him. They weren't expecting that. Um, that worries me, you know, until we hear a little bit more about that. There hasn't been really a lot of conversation about Horford and his knee, but, you know, a sleeve showed up on his leg the other night. Um, there was some talk earlier on. He had some issues with the knee. So that, that's, that's not very comforting. Um, what is comforting is to see how well the Celtics played in, in, in spite of his absence. But they're going to need Al Horford at 110% uh, against Anthony Davis because you need everything going uh, to defend Anthony Davis, and and so he's going to be he's going to be needed and or missed. Um, I think Tice actually is a guy who might be able to keep up with him. It might be the right body type at least, but. There's an intellect and a, and a Oh, the guy's going to go off Amazing. on us. He always does. You know, he got picked apart in the inside, even when Horford was healthy. Regardless of whether or not he's tired, he's still, as you've said, probably better suited for the power forward position, even though we like to go small and give it up a little bit on offense. Even in that Knicks game, as good as that game was, you know, went in the end, it was still very close the whole way through. And coming out of uh, halftime, you know, Brad said they made it really easy on the Knicks getting in, getting inside the paint. And he was pretty uh, upset with that and thought that they needed, it's great that the shots were going down and they needed it to because they weren't able to stop any of the Knicks from getting inside. And so similar kind of concerns all season long that way. If Horford is out, they're they're definitely going to be giving up a lot of paints uh, points in the paint. That's going to be a struggle for him. Um, with even if Tice can keep up with him, he's going to get tired trying to keep up with him. Good thing he had uh, a night off since that Bulls game, right? Because certainly he's going to need all the rest he can get if he's going to wind up getting the call. Sounds like Baines is going to be out. I don't know if he's questionable or game time decision or what the deal is, but he twisted it pretty good. It's hard to imagine him even if he. I didn't. Did they? Did they give a time frame for how long Baines was going to be out? No, I've just, just a day to day thing, right? Well, they, in fact, they they even said he was questionable. So at this point, well, he and Horford are questionable. The only one who's out for Monday night is Yavaselli, yeah, uh, and yeah. so which is really unfortunate too, because this is an opportunity for Yavaselli. You know, he needs to take advantage of these situations to earn his keep. And while the Celtics did pick up his option for next year. He's clearly somebody who's on the fringes of this roster. So all these opportunities and being out at a time when other players are also out, 
really bad timing and unfortunate for Yabusaki. Well, and it's going to end up leading to minutes for Williams. And if Williams' athleticism really impresses and, you know, he continues to be sort of that good locker room learner that they've said he's been since he showed up, despite the earning the Time Lord nickname for showing up late. <laughs> so, you know, it seems to be that there could be an opportunity for him. He'll get those minutes if he continues to uh, get the opportunity to play and plays well. So it's certainly possible they could use a shot-altering blocker out there. His athleticism is off the hook. You know, I actually could see him in the starting lineup, not at the end of the game, but I could see him floating into the starting lineup, probably not over Tice at this point, but he would fit pretty well just because of what we already talked about, like having a player out there who kind of can just have one role and everybody else does their thing. He could fit in. I mean, look at the way Brown fit in when maybe Bradley went down and then did pretty well. I mean, Brown is a much better player than he was that season, and yet he worked very well in that starting lineup because they said, this is all we really need you to do while you're out there. You could see something similar happen with Williams in that starting lineup, especially if they needed to stretch somebody's minutes out. Um, but it's only going to happen if somebody like Baines and Horford are both out and they think, well, we're going to need to save Tice's fouls and minutes for the close of the game or we're really going to be dead. Then they might start somebody like Williams just to stretch that out with Tice and make sure they have him. Yeah, I, I like – you know, it's funny with all of these – you know. Going into the season, I was really expecting a really different plan in terms of how minutes were going to be used and, and how the bigs were going to fit into this. Um, you know, you could argue that there's too many good bigs on this team. Um, you know, and there, at some places there weren't enough guys on the wing. Uh, but now I guess, you know, you look at where they are and, um, the need for fouls is, hasn't been as evident perhaps all the time. Um, they have run against some big team, big lineups, but, Lately, it's been really get small. Cantor killed them uh, the other night, um, and perhaps if Baines was healthy for a longer period of time, that might have helped. But really, both games with the Knicks, they've had trouble <laughs> trying to keep Cantor in check, or I guess three three games they've had with Cantor. So I think it's time for time, Lord. I think it's really – we talked about this at the last show. I, I still stand by that. I think this is a, a really good opportunity for him, and I – I hope he really can take advantage of it. I just don't uh, – what I worry about is Horford. I want Horford to be okay. The Celtics are not winning the NBA championship or maybe even getting to the NBA championship without Al Horford being Al Horford. Yep, that goes without saying. They're going to be in a lot of trouble. And uh, so we'll keep an eye on that knee. If he plays tonight, I'll feel a lot better about it. Uh, let's look at the week ahead, then we'll wrap the show. But we got the Pelicans tonight uh, at home. And then they get a night off. We play the Wizards. That's down in D.C., but that's a short flight. So it's almost a home game. I'd almost be surprised if they don't come back home that night and sleep in their own beds. And then, obviously, another night off with the Hawks on Friday, another home game, and then another short flight. This is the first back-to-back in a little while um, where they'll face the Pistons on Saturday night. So we have a full four games on deck for this coming week, and we're going to have to make our predictions again. So. Uh, who's going first, John, you or me? Once you start, I'll let you go first. Okay. I'm going to say, oh, man, that, you know, I predicted they would lose to the Pelicans last time, and then it was whatever, right? <laughs> they they beat, I said they're either going to, I think they'll lose to the Pelicans, right? But then I was like, well, 
If they don't lose to the Pelicans, they'll lose to Minnesota and Carl Anthony Towns, but somebody's going to beat them in the middle. So they went undefeated. That was the first undefeated week for us on the show. And we totally miscalled that. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to say, I want to say it's at home and they're running hard, even though they could be in a lot of trouble physically. I'm going to say they get a win. Again, I'm going to go three and one, and I'm actually going to say a loss against the Pistons, who have kind of messed wow. me up. I know, a weird one. But they've been hovering in that same point, you know, in the standings. You know what I mean? The Pistons have kind of been there. Not that the Celtics shouldn't be far and away better than the Pistons, but I'm going to say the Pistons wind up stealing one from them. Um, that becomes a difficult. So I'm going three and one. Three wins which extends their winning streak pretty extensively. But that second night of the back-to-back uh, on the road winds up catching up to them. Well, um, I, I hear you on the 3-1. and one. Um, I'm not going to go there. I'm going 4-0, and oh, actually. I think the Celtics are going to run off nine straight at least. This is and sounding then, a lot like last year, baby. <laughs> and, then, and, then they got, and then they get Phoenix on the Wednesday after that. And then Milwaukee and Charlotte and Philly. So they, this after they go to Detroit, they're going to play four game, four home games in a row around the Christmas break. Um, I think, so right now, let me just, I just want to kind of lay this out. The Celtics are 15 and 10 as we record this tonight. Okay. They're two and a half games back, um, of, of Philadelphia for second place in the Eastern Conference. I predict that by the time we get to the, Christmas Day, the Celtics will be tied or ahead of the Philadelphia 76ers. Well, okay. that's probably a good bet just because Embiid is all of a sudden starting to complain about his role. Huh. Oh, really? Huh. Who do huh. you think may have influenced that? That's interesting. Got, I mean, they are who they are anyway, right? But, but you gotta think Butler. <laughs> you gotta think Butler, right? It's absolutely. That the Philly did it. Philly's a joke. I mean, I, I, I'm, they're not a joke. They're a good team, but they're never going to be a great team. As long as that coward has a big role in the Philadelphia 76ers and they've got Mark and Markel Fultz being whatever it is in his socket, whatever. Um, no, it's not happening. I, I, I just don't see it for Philly. I saw that game against Toronto and Toronto's good. I mean, th- that is a solid team. The Celtics at full capacity are going to have a hard time with Toronto, but. Philadelphia is just a notch below at best, at best. And I'm just not a big fan of any of their makeup of what they got. They've got a lot of potential, but the pieces don't fit. So the outside shooting, that was a concern Yep, that make it clogs things and it makes it hard to spread the ball around and all of those, all of those issues. I, I thought that this would actually end up being a good thing, but mm-hmm. once you start having locker room issues, I mean, it's a problem. Look at how the Celtics started this year. Absolutely. No doubt. No doubt. And I think that that's, that's gonna, it's coming home to roost for Philly. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised next summer if, you know, things, things get really weird for the Sixers. Um, so, and that's gonna put the Celtics behind Toronto. I, I, you know, that's where it's gonna be. If by January 1st, the Celtics were in second place behind Toronto and there are, you know, a handful of games back, that's okay. I, I like where that, I like the trend line. I don't think, you know, what can Toronto keep it up? We'll see. We'll see, but it, you need to have. I mean, a well, Kawhi is on fire. He is. He I is. Mean, unless he gets injured, they're gonna they're gonna maintain that. But I will. I'll agree with you. I'm not sure I'll say Christmas Day because that's only just a touch over two weeks. I mean, I'm gonna be a little bit more conservative. But I agree with you about the Celtics moving up in the standings. They have a much 
easier schedule than they did in terms of opponents and a couple of tough ones that will end up having an impact on the standing. So I'd say by January 1st, they leapfrog. What they really need to do this year is they've already had their letdown more than any other year to start the season. They've had a letdown, kind of slow out of the gate, but they correct it every year faster than they did this year. And then they have that January 1st, sort of Christmas through the first two weeks in Jan- uh, January letdown. That has to be a thing of the past this year. They've already gotten gifted all that. They have to stay hot in January, February, and ride out the season. And yep. if they do that, they'll probably land pretty close to those 60 wins in the end anyway. But it, it's going to be tight, and they're going to have to be really stellar. we to see a lot more crushing defeats of lesser opponents like the Bulls more and more for the rest of the going here. No doubt about it. I know I couldn't agree with more. They they need to get to put themselves in a position where they're within shouting distance, which I can search two or three games of the people at the top. And if they do that, I'm not at all worried about you know the fact that they they have January, February, March, and three months in in, in April, three weeks in April, I should say, to to top and get to the head of the the list. I think they really need home court. I think home court against Toronto is is important. Critical. I, I I just I love I just love the way they play. They're playing so hard. Can Siakam be Siakam in the playoffs? We're gonna see. Uh, Lowry, I, they need to prove it. Yeah, Kawhi is the X factor. Dude. He is. He's he is. both sides of the ball, and he's dominant. And that's but you know. that works in the regular season. I don't know if he's gonna. Can he play like that in the postseason against, you know, in that, on that team? It's, this isn't the, you know, this isn't the Spurs who are moving the ball and really making everyone a threat. So I know I'm, I'm not saying I don't believe it can happen. No, I hear what you're saying. Happen, no. But there's a, a different animal. It's a different yeah. strategy. There's rest off in between nights, but at the same time, you key in on guys. You do things differently than you do on a night after night after night grueling regular season. So I, I hear your point there. I still think you're right about the home court advantage being crucial, but that's going to do it for this week's show. This broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS media mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter. That was pretty good. At CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, who I'm sure I was just going to say, <laughs> we talked about this after everyone. I'm not sure that. He is our staff writer anymore. Well, I may have to update the script, but executive producer Larry H. Russell, Tommy's still around, that's for sure. We, we know Larry's still around, yeah. Yep, yeah. Larry's there. I'm not even sure he goes by Larry anymore. The right. founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, he's certainly around. He, he can't get rid of him. He's he's always around, and he's still listening. Hi, Nick. He's, <laughs> he's, the, he's the founder. He the is founder. definitely still listening. And... <laughs> I'm also at four my co-host, John Duke. I'm here. Justin Poulin. You're Thank here. Thank you for listening to this week's edition. Why don't you say it this time of Celtic Stuff Live. Live. Celtic Stuff Live. <laughs> Bye, everybody. We do have to keep getting creative with these endings now. We set that whole... We set that expectation out. People are waiting. They're listening around. Last year, it was the Time Lord thing.
highlight. You were accidentally muting yourself, so it's becoming an outtakes. I know. I just realized I just leaned on that. <laughs> Dude. Oh man. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. I, you know, and, and what's great about this, did you know the, the, okay, I didn't get to, you went into the outro. The Celtics, so the, 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 the Kings pick right now is only, and as well as they've played, they're only two and a half ga- games back of Washington. All right. So if they fall and you know, they've played well, but They'll if they fall, fall Washington has the seventh spot. They have a 31.9% chance of a top four pick. That's still so, awesome. So you, right. We could still be, you know, everyone's like, Oh, you know, everyone's winning and stuff. Like, look, like Sacramento is 13 and 12. If they f- slide a little bit, they could be in the seventh spot. Now I feel like we don't get crazy about that until no. February. You know what I mean? Like, but also everything's kind of jumbled in terms of the roster. I mean, like right. that right now. Let's see. There's where's Memphis? There's a. F- Are they getting too bad? Mm, yeah. They're, well, they're twentieth right now. But but that's the thing. There's a, only four and a half games between them and Washington. So there's at some point this is going to shake out. You know, like Minnesota's thirteen and thirteen. New Orleans is fourteen and fourteen. Utah's thirteen and thirteen. Houston is eleven and fourteen. Like there's all these teams yeah, that around five hundred. Conference is really funky. It's going to shake out though. I think yeah. at some point, and then if Sacramento drops, like they could drop that far. Like, do you think really Minnesota's going to bottom out? I don't. I don't think Utah's going to bottom out. I don't think the Spurs well, are going to bottom out. bottomed out for what they really are. They're going to climb. I think so too. I mean, I don't think they're as great as everyone said they were, but you know, I mean, there's, there's, there is, I still think things will be a much better. I don't know if the Celtics are going to get a top two pick, but, or, or top three pick, but I think that the odds are not as bad against them as one might think. The point you know? is, is they need these picks to stay young because they're going to yeah. lose players or and they need guys like, or they need to combine them. Yeah. It could be. The guy, the, the guy, the guy is Monday make night. that pick before they can trade it. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, they do. They can't. No. It has to go into next season. The draft happens before. Yeah, I can, know. Or do you think they can? But, no, but he's got to be in a new contract, and he can't be in a new contract. Right. So they would but have to essentially make the pick for them and then if, trade the player. Okay, let's just say this. If I'm New Orleans, right? If I'm New Orleans and I want, I, I want Anthony Davis, or I, I, you know, I want to, I want to keep Anthony Davis. I'm going to go to him for the draft because that, that's when I'll get my best offer, right? And I'm going to say to him, Anthony, we're going to offer you the full, you know, designated player exception, blah blah blah, and give him until the until before the draft. And yeah, but the Rose rule still prevents us until after the season. Yeah, but you can, remember because Zaren yeah, wanted can, to change all that. Yeah, they but were you like, can, guys, yeah, we but should you not be making decisions about the draft. You can you can say we're going to make the deal, but you can't execute the deal. But that's more about free agency than it is about trades because you have player control, you know. Like you in this do, case, but we have to be into a new contract state. Yeah, but, yeah, to but be able to make the deal. But so, you, but they have deals all the time where you'll say, you know, that the rights. Yeah, will be but the Celtics are going to have to make a pick. No, 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 no. They won't. They can make. They can agree upon a deal, right? Make the picks on New Orleans' behalf. That's my point. Right? But they. But if it and then blows, and then you, up, and you do it in you know January first, you consummate the deal. I mean, that's, that's what, remember that's July. 
But July. No, yeah. I got I, mean, I got you. But what I'm saying is there's still a leap of faith there. Like they might agree to it. Yeah. But stuff can still happen after they agree to that deal. And here's my point. If Danny doesn't like the pick, like it almost requires New Orleans and the Celtics to agree on the pick. Like, oh, yeah. if yeah, they totally. don't, if they don't execute the deal, the Celtics are still happy with the player that they picked. That, yeah. That's yeah. where you run into an issue is my, in my yeah. opinion. And, and I, so that's where I go back to Zarin. I'm like, Zarin has it right. The NBA needs to change this. Yeah. The, the draft is supposed do. to fix the issue with not fix. It's supposed to fix, fix the holes in your roster. Mm-hmm. So you ought to have a pretty good idea of what your roster is going to look like, mm-hmm. you know, and I get it. That's why everybody takes best player available. And you know, there's all those cli- NBA draft cliches, right. right? But really, you know, you want to know what your team's going to look like. And if you're going to lose a player, you ought to be able to execute a trade before you make a pick, too. Mm-hmm. Right, right. No, I, I, I get you. I, I think what I'm. Would you push the draft to later? Yeah, yeah. Would you, it. would you say let's do free agency right after the close of the season? You know, like give it a week or two, like no. maybe July one or June, you know, twenty eighth is free agency starts, and then do the draft at like. The problem is then you got all these summer leagues that are already scheduled right. and set up. Right, you you'd almost have to do it, you know, two weeks into July. You almost have to do it simultaneously. You know what? You do it simultaneously. You open free agency up, you know, right before the draft, basically. So you just start it sooner. You don't change it, the schedule anywhere else. You just start it sooner, and mm-hmm. then the the thing is, then the teams are so distracted trying to do all these different things at the same time. It's yeah. So bizarre, dude. It's that just weird. There has to be a gap, I think, somewhat. But no, I think you're, I think you're right. You move it, you move it later, somewhat later, and then somehow you. you Why not move like the summer league stuff into like August and then they really get a full 12 months out of this deal? Because if they do free agent, like they don't rush the draft, right? The close of the season happens. Everybody gets a breather. They go into free agency on the same time schedule. They do the draft at the end of July when most of free agency settled itself out. Mm-hmm. Then they do summer league through August. The next thing you know, training camps are opening up. Well, I think they like most NBA front offices, offices like to shut down effectively in like August, September. They like to take their vacation. Yeah, they want a breather. Yeah. All right, Danny, I'm sorry if you're listening to this at the very the extended <laughs> no, no vacations. The extended, yeah, no vacations for you, Danny. <laughs> but I, but I, but they could, so they could do, they could agree to a deal before, you know, they're just, the, the problem is that I think is that they would, if he were to sign a deal, he would have to sign a deal in the new year. You know, he'd have to, he could, I think he can only July be offered, 1. he can only officially sign it after July 1. But they could say to him, look, we want you to offer you this, but you need to give us an answer by June 28th because that's when the draft is. They're going to be, they're going to be worried. They're not going to play that way though because what they're going to want to do is have control over his destination. They're not sure. They're not going to want to be pushed that way. You know what I mean? And he's going to get flaky teams. Anybody giving up that much talent to go get him. Yeah. And only have him for one year. It's going to want to have some reassurances that he wants to come and they technically can't even talk to him yet because free agency hasn't opened. So it's tampering at the draft. Well, no, no, you can't. Isn't it? No, no I guess if the team gives permission, it's, it's right? KG. It's KG all over again. Yeah, that's true. So you can give permission. You could, you know, you can go down that road. You know, I, I think it's, there's, there's a timing thing that, 
that works with this, but um, yeah, it's. I, I think they can give those picks up, and I think you're right. There is a bit of trust that goes with that. But if Sean Marks say didn't do that, I mean, he'd be he'd be dead to the rest of the league. Yeah. You know, he, no one would trust him to do another deal with him if if he screwed over the Celtics like that. You know. Well, it's, there we go. We're we're having this conversation way premature, but yeah. Still good to think about. It's a good post show conversation. You're yeah, welcome. you didn't think we were going to have it, but there you have it, everybody. 